Welcome to another episode of the Death Saving Bros Podcast, Season 2. I am your host and Dungeon Master, Paul Camper. With me today, I have Ben Renfro. Hey everybody, looking forward to being here. Oh, hi Paul. Hi, I'm Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Brad Richards. Alright, hold on. I got a mouthful of meat. <laughs> Matt Smith. Oh, that's out of the way. Hey Paul. <laughs> oh, fuck, I forgot it. Shit, no. Matt Smith. Hello, Paul. Hello. And Brad Renfro. So I've ran out of toilet paper, and I've had to start wiping with the newspaper. You could say the times are tough. Oof. Oh. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like a very rough time. Times are rough. That's a chafy butthole. But you know what times are not rough? Uh, these times that we are spending together as we prepare to embark on a new season of the Death Saving Bros with a new campaign, new characters, and a new setting that we have never ventured to before. Um, so for all those of you listeners who are joining us for the first time, this is the perfect place to pick up. Uh, we'll be starting fresh. We'll be picking up far in the future from the previous campaign. And although there will be some callbacks for our old listeners, you'll be able to join in on all of the new lore and new shenanigans that we get up to. So is everybody ready to get started? Yes, sir. Yep. All right. So we begin on the campus of the Arkshine. The Arkshine is an institution that has been standing on the eastern bank of the Tiberian River uh, for centuries. It has long fed some of the greatest mystical and magical users into the kingdom of Trigala, but uh, ever since the gods disappeared, all sorts of magic users, everything from wizards down to uh, rangers who happen to use a little bit of spellcasting. The four of you are all students, and as you wake and get ready for the day, there's almost a palpable energy in the air. You feel excited, you feel alert, you feel awake, because it is the first day of your last year at the Arkshine. For the past three years, you have been studying the ins and outs of magic in Ralveria. You've been learning theory and pursuing your chosen path. But now you've reached your fourth year. This is the year of practicum, when you start to apply everything that you've learned in preparation for your final exam. So... You all leave your dormitories, uh, which are at the outskirts of the Arkshine grounds. But before we get uh, much farther, let's, um, as you're walking across the quad towards the Arkshine, let's go ahead and introduce the characters that you'll be playing. Uh, we'll start with Brad Renfro. Uh, you were the last to be introduced. Let's go ahead and be first to introduce the character. Alrighty, so my character is Milo Yishathris. And he is a very short, about three foot tall, uh, Kender, which is essentially a halfling with some additional magical properties we'll find out later. And he is also a druid of, uh, wildfire magic, but it doesn't affect much until his actions take place. But he's going to be dressed... Fairly normally. Um, he just mostly, though, like baggy clothings, things that can overhang that look like you can tuck like things into a pocket. Although anything he, anytime he tries to tuck something into his pocket, it doesn't really like, you know, leave any sort of like lump or look like it. So kind of leaves the question, how much can his pockets hold? 
Um, oh, I should also specify that all of you will be playing level three characters. But um, so you are a druid of wildfire. So circle of wildfire. And that means that you have a wildfire spirit as your companion, right? Yeah. Once I hit level three, I get to establish a connection with a wildfire spirit. So I can my main actions as a like the druid of this class revolve around summoning the spirit and then using him uh, either for movement or just mechanical use uh, like you know I'll I'll show you as we go on the different ways you can use this kind of wildfire spirit cool and does your spirit have a name yeah we're gonna call him Toby Toby all right Remy little chef I was thinking like Toby from like all like the scary movies where it's like yeah we have a friend named Toby. <laughs> Well, I was thinking Remy, as in Little Chef from Ratatouille. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so that was Brad's character. Um, Matt, why don't you go ahead and introduce yours? All right, so I'm going to be playing Thadward Castellan, a.k.a. The Wall. I am a tortle, uh fighter subclass gunslinger, because now that guns are commonplace in our world. And, yeah, I'm the captain of the Pyrocross team. Captain? Ho, 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 captain. hold up. <laughs> I am I guess that makes sense. I guess, it, I guess it makes sense. Sad castle. Yeah, the, the Pyrocross sport is something that we'll go into in uh, one of our future episodes. But um, what, did you say that you're a turtle? I am a turtle, which is just a turtle man. Since I am such a big, beefy defender character, I'm going to say I'm especially large for a turtle. So <laughs> I'm going to be about six foot and let's say 500 plus pounds. Damn, big boy. <laughs> All right, uh, Brad Richards. You look like a chode. Yep. <laughs> yeah, six foot 500 is pretty chode-like. <laughs> but does a lot of that weight come from the weight of your shell itself? Uh, yeah, I think the, that and the description. <laughs> yeah, and just huge calf muscles. <laughs> look at them gams. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I played Dixon Cider. First name Dixon, last name Cider. I'd be like a six foot nine. Nice. 250 pound dragonborn. Nice. Uh, I'm a blood hunter. My background is the haunted one. So I'm guessing I did Order of the Ghost Slayer. Okay. Uh, Order of the Ghost Slayer? We'll do that, sure. Okay. And uh, what color of oh, Dragonborn are you? Topaz, which is a very masculine blue. So I breathe necromancy on people, and I'm also resistant to necromancy. Uh, necrotic? <laughs> That's what I meant. Perfect. I love dead people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, what does your character look like? Uh, well, he's a scaly boy with noticeable scars on his scales, specifically on his arms, legs, and stomach. And he enjoys time spent at um, Hot Subject. <laughs> this is where he'll be. Do you have like the one side comb over that goes over your like eye? No, I'm like not that? goth. Does I'm he mis- have eyeliner? I misunderstood. I'm not goth. Okay. Or emo. Or emo. What right. are some of his favorite bands? Thy apothecary. Thy apothecary courtship. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
We could probably come up with an entire list of <laughs> bands that you listen to. I definitely could. We can. That'll be that'll be some some content down the road. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, and last player is Ben. Yeah. So I'm going to play Manfred McQuaid, um, aka known as the Ivory Alchemist. I will be an Artificer uh, playing. So Artificer class. Uh, with the focus in alchemy as an alchemist. Uh, as a race, I'm playing a Loxodon, so big, strong elephant man. Loxodons tend to be between 7 and 8 feet, so I would say I'm pushing 8 foot, like a pretty pretty big, just naturally athletic dude. As I'm also on the Pyrocross team as well, I'm not the captain, but I will follow our captain into battle. <laughs> I'm probably... You know, around 475, so close to 8 foot 475. Um, as far as looks go, I'm typically seen in athletic apparel, uh, like tracksuits, aka the way B-Rich looks in real life, all the time, <laughs> with uh, matching sweatpants and, uh, you know, t-shirts and sweatshirts and everything, where every single bit of my apparel always has the hammer swoosh on it as well. Hammer Swoosh, uh, where does that brand originate from? Yeah, so so the Hammer Swoosh actually uh, came from the Hammerbottom Brothers because the Hammer Fist, uh, as time went on, went to expand into sports training as well, not just the combat fighting. Uh, they still primarily are a fighting gym, but they're also now in like a sports uh, I mean, training facility. The Hammer, the Hattam, the Hammer Bottom Brothers were entrepreneurs. Let's be honest. Oh yeah, so they had to they had to expand. It was just natural uh, for more growth in the business. And <laughs> uh, as, as they went more into the sports training side of things, they also uh, started the the athletic apparel brand uh, for the Hammer Swoosh. Yeah, but they're dead now. But their legacy um, lives on. Yeah. Well, they're they're at least close to being dead because uh this this is taking place 70 years after the assumption yeah uh which is when the gods disappeared right but their legacy lives on so you'll see me in like some slides with some socks uh the sweatpants and then either <laughs> like a t-shirt and then like a jacket over top that i wore zipped up do they make slides that fit circle feet <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be my question <laughs> So, <laughs> the way it works, <laughs> uh, I would think there's just like, there like gladiators. It's like, it's like a designer pad <laughs> that my foot goes on. And then. Like little booties. <laughs> and that, well, that just, I don't think that would look cool in any way. You're a fucking elephant. Man. They could be like gladiator sandals where they like, there's like a lattice like yeah, I was up thinking, your leg. I was thinking some sort of like. You know, like strap, but um, it would have to do it in both, like the front and back, like a full circle. <laughs> but then it just might look like Ooh, or they're lace, like, like a woman would wear. Yeah, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Just the, the sandals with the fish loop nets. over the, the. No, not not fishnets. <laughs> I was gonna say like the the loop over the toes, and then it's got the heel on the back. Those like little flats that. Yeah, but they're designers, so of hammer swoosh, so it's it's cool. <laughs> so I got some sort it's of cool guys, it's cool. I got some sort of hammer swoosh sandal with the sweatpants, a t shirt, like a jacket over top. And then when it comes to like facial appearance and everything, we know I got my long trunk. And then I would like to say like because so so my guy, like the way the character's built out to be too, 
Like, he's very socially awkward because he's on the sports team. He's really good on the sports team. He's actually, like, a decent-looking guy. He's an athlete. He's got an athletic well, Decent-looking elephant. Yeah, decent-looking <laughs> elephant. Like, the other elephants, like, you know, would... Uh... Dude's hot for an elephant. <laughs> Man, if I like, was an elephant, you know... <laughs> it's... I would suck that Exactly, exactly so saying that. But what, what I would like to think, though, is, like... Yeah, I guess there's no, like, great way to describe what a good or a bad-looking <laughs> elephant would look like. But I would say it's on the good side. Like, other elephant women would find him rather, like, attractive because of his athletic just style and everything like that. But he's as got, soon as they talk to him. Yeah, he's got good style. <laughs> he's he's athletic. He's got a good build and everything. But he's very antisocial. And he's more on the very nerdy side of things. He's just really good at his sport and good-looking. But he has absolutely zero game. Uh, when it I comes to attacked. talking to any woman <laughs> out there. Um, yes, he is very good at school. He's very good at sports, just not good at talking to women or people in general, specifically women, though. And he really doesn't, like, he gets along with, like, the sports and everything like that, but he really doesn't, like, identify as that jock character, although he, like, dresses and kind of looks like it. His personality does not match that at all. Um, is kind of what I'm going for there. Okay, cool. And, uh, Matt, you didn't explain what, Thad looks like Thad. So yeah, Thad's a he's a turtle. So he looks like a turtle, but um, he's a hot turtle. He's oh man. Well, what, <laughs> would the, what would the what would the other she turtles think of? Oh, uh, they all want to be climbing the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Climb the wall. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so I imagine him as having. Uh, would turtles have hair? If you want them to. I gotta say he has, like, a Caesar do. Okay. He's got, like, a blonde, like, Caesar do. And, uh, you know, he's he's just a, he's a turtle, so he can't really wear too much in the way of clothes. Nothing really fits him. So he just wears, like, a big, like, well, in this universe, it would be called a Pyrax penny. <laughs> but a lax penny kind of loose jersey. All right, cool. I wonder if, like, in addition to, like, my outfit... If I would have any like super distinguishable distinguishable marks besides your two tusks protruding from your mouth, well, that would separate me from what other loxodon creatures look like. Well, um, why don't you go ahead and keep thinking about those, uh, and uh, we'll go ahead and get you guys into your first meeting for the semester. Heard. So you file in line with all of your other classmates jockeying, jostling, talking with one another as you all quickly walk towards the Arkshine Tower, which stands imposing over the surrounding grounds and outbuildings. The tower is over 100 feet high and 500 feet in diameter, made of rough brown stone and capped by a slate-shingled peak. Windows perforate the surface of the stone at various intervals, marking the classrooms, the offices, the dormitories, and the storerooms throughout the magical institution. However, you will not be venturing up into the tower itself just yet. Um, you actually received instructions last night that your first destination for this fourth and final year would be the Arcthanium, the massive library that forms the base of the Arkshine Tower. It is twice as long as the tower is wide and three stories tall, you enter through the oaken doors that are open and welcoming, 
and on either side of the massive two-story ornamental iron doors. The iron doors that lead into the Arcthanium are ceremonial and only open once per year when they release new graduates into the world. As you pass underneath them and through the oaken doors into the Arcthanium, you can see that they are decorated with various runes and arcanum, ivy vines and soaring dragons and mythical creatures, as well as the crests of the six different houses of the Arkshine. You can see the religion and divination house of Holvanum, the healing and necromancy house of Mirvita, the house of botany, geology, and wilderness training named Xenosage, the house of artifice and math named Chromathar, the house Miss Varix, which is of Arcanum and history, and the house of Loquatium, which is for speech, persuasion, and poetry. After passing through the oaken doors and into the entry hall of the Arcthanium with its cafe and library and kiosks, you enter the main atrium. You've seen it a dozen times before. The floors above are open to this atrium so that as you're standing there, you can see the stacks on the upper floors are open to the atrium and you can see the book stacks up there. And uh, centered in the room and dominating the space is a large statue that reaches up to the top of the atrium. It is rendered with an open book at the base, a dagger-pierced heart atop that, out of which vines grow to form a starburst at the top, and there is a clock set in that stone at the top. Above all of these stone shapes is an orb that glows a soft blue and illuminates the space in the early morning light. This statue represents the six houses, just like the iron doors outside. But as you once again look at this awe-inspiring statue, your eye is drawn to the figure standing at the base of the statue, a female drow with dark skin and pale hair. Her brilliant blue eyes watch as the last of the students enter, and you all grow quiet as she speaks. I am Dean Teblin Doval of the House Chromathar. For those of you that know me, welcome back to your fourth and final year. To those of you who do not know me and have not had my class, I hope that we get to know each other much more over this year. Because even though we have spent the last years focusing on individual areas of magic, whether you are a ranger or a fighter or a wizard, you will all now be practicing and preparing for the final exam. Now, as you've been learning your spells, you have always had the components and the energy that you needed to cast any spell that may have come your way. But as many of you may know, ever since the Assumption, when the gods were taken back by the Great Mother after the Battle of Trugala, magic has been, you know, a bit iffy. And that's why a lot of you have come here, so that you can learn how to control that magic, learn how to be productive members of society in a world where magic is no longer reliable. Every class that you've had, you have always been given what we call a surge. It is a little pack that we have put together with artificers' help, and that will give you the magical energy that you need in order to cast your spells without problem. Up until now, you've always had those on hand, but this is the year when you're going to learn how to make them for yourselves. 
Um, artificers, artificing is the backbone of our society these days. It is what imbues magic into items so that we can use them without fear of our magic going haywire. But you will learn all the pitfalls of haywire magic. You will learn all of the trials and tribulations of putting together your own surges, which, if you didn't know, stands for Secured User Repository for Guaranteed Enchantment. Some of you probably didn't know where that name came from, but I digress. Surges are going to be the core factor of this year because at the end of the year, your final exam is going to be very tricky. As some of you may know, students have died during the final exam. Murmur, murmur, murmur. <laughs> is this being addressed to the entire student body? No, this is only for the, for the fourth year class. Uh, classmen. Okay. So then I'm just trying to think if like we as the senior class now would already have known about the final exam or not. You know that the final exam is coming, but um, it's possible that some of you didn't know that students have died. No, that makes sense. I still don't think my character would react. (laughs) (laughs) Just trying to think about how I would play my character. And my character (laughs) has definitely been on top of this and very confident like I'm looking forward to taking the final. I want to die. <laughs> and my character is just playing with his things. He has no idea. He's in his backpack. Just he has something <laughs> to entertain himself. I'm not paying attention to this. Okay. There, there is some murmuring amongst the crowd. Um, and Dean Doval says, "Calm down, calm down." Yes, I'm sure that you've heard the rumors. Several students died last year. Uh, we are still investigating that, and we are making sure that everything will be as safe as possible for you this year. But, of course, we want to make sure that you are as prepared as possible. And that is why, under normal circumstances, but especially this year, it is important that we put aside our houses. You are no longer part of House Hovanna, Mirvita, or Chromathar. You are all working together. You need to make sure that you help one another to get through everything that you will face this year and that you study and you are ready for that final exam. So if you all go over to the wall to your left, you will notice that there is a posting of your study groups. These are the groups that you will be working with throughout the rest of the year. You will no longer be in your house dormitories. You will be rooming together with your study group so that you can capitalize on every moment throughout the year. I wish you the best of luck. Go take a look at your study groups, and then you will all head on over to the Magizoo, where Dean Price is ready for your first assignment of the day. That's all. You are dismissed. And uh, immediately, the student body rushes over to the assignments for study groups, and there's a lot of chattering, a lot of pushing, a lot of shoving my character would still collect my things and sit to myself still and let everybody else go to like clear out first before I would get up to go look at it. So I'm hanging back during this whole thing. That's perfect. So seeing you like there by yourself, I'm going to walk up to you and you're just going to feel like a little, are you wearing like a jacket or a coat or anything or your shirt or? Yeah. Yeah. So you just feel like a little tug on your shirt. Hey, excuse me, sir. Yes. Did, uh, I'm not sure I heard them quite right, but did they say that people die during this? 
Indeed, yes. They they say that uh, last year more students actually died than typical. What? Well, how? How? Well, if you would have been listening to the dean as she was talking, uh, she said that it's still under investigation, and I'm uh, I'm, I'm sure they're going <laughs> to let us know when they figure out more information. They're, they're letting us take the test before they even know why the other students died? Well... There's always a chance every year that students could die. It's part of why we pay attention in our classes and uh, where we're so eager to actually learn so we could see how we could apply it. Uh, one of the other students happens to be walking by as you two are talking and says, well, yeah, you only die if you're stupid. Exactly. That, that's uh, <laughs> that's oh. right. That's uh, I, I guess that's nicely put. Thank you. Um, yeah, don't mention it. I'm going to... Do you guys know what your study group is yet? There's too many people up there I haven't been able to see. Well, listen, I don't mean to be rude, but... Uh, <laughs> if you were listening to the rest... But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, don't want, I don't want to be calling you stupid right now or anything, but uh, as you can see, we're still, we're still in our seats, and we're also waiting because there's a, a large amount of people, sir. Oh. Yeah, that makes sense. I yeah, well, I didn't uh, even know that people died during this. Good luck on your final. <laughs> oh, thanks. Maybe maybe we'll be paired together. My name's Leong. Lung? No, Leong. Leon. No. Lung. Le Leong. 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 Right? Uh, spell it. L I A N G. Leong. Okay, okay. Hi. You can call me Ang for short. How's that? No. Or Lee. I can do Lee. Liang. I, this guy better not be the avatar. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> this better not be an NPC that because, sticks with us. Because I Lee is like also him. his Fire Nation like double, so I don't want this to be the avatar. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, no, his, his name's Liang. Okay. Uh, or Lee. Um, well, hi, Lee. I'm Milo. Milo Yishithrish. Milo Yishithris. 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 Milo Yishithris. Cool. Cool, Milo. Uh, you're you're kind of tiny. <laughs> That's kind of a weird thing to say to someone. I, you just walk up um, and be like, hey, why do you look like that? <laughs> you're small. What are you? <laughs> well, I was kind of born this way, you see? <laughs> no, this is just typical bullying. It happens at every school. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Are you bullying me, Lise? <laughs> I'm going to no, just... Um, <laughs> I guess I'm going to just... Casually stroll through the crowd and, you know, hip check people out of the way until I get up to the board. And uh, is it like each group is just like its own paper, like plastered to the board? Sure. All right. I'm going to look around until I see my name and I'm just going to yank that paper off the board and I'm going to look at it and I'm going to see Manfred. I'm like, oh, all right. And presumably I just see him sitting there looking all awkward and be like, hey, nerd. Looks like me? we're in a group together. I go walk over. As Milo and Ben's character, Manfred and Lee, are all chatting, uh, up walks a large wall of a creature with a shell. All right. Um, as you approach, then I'd like to say, uh, Milo, Lee, I, it looks like I, I gotta go. And I, like, shuffle the rest of my things together. And then I go to stand up and... The way I picture it is like a college like auditorium with like the little chairs and like the little desks that kind of come over us where we on like kind of like a uh, room like so, that. No, so this is just like like an atrium. So it's like the entrance to a museum. 
Oh, okay. I pictured I was in this like little seat with this desk over top of me that I had to flip down, and that that's kind of how I pictured it. But okay, maybe well, you have a portable one of those. <laughs> nerd. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, regardless, I quickly scurry my things together. I say good luck to you both this year. Uh, good luck in the finals, and uh, I gotta go. Oh, gee, thanks. I never quite caught your name though. That's okay. And I scurry away from the group. Well, wait, wait, wait. Hey, um, what? So, what's what's your group? Who else is in your group? I haven't seen my listing yet. All right, looks like some dude named uh, Milo. Um, not gonna try and pronounce that last name. Oh, that might be me. Is it start with a Y? Yes. Holy... My name is Milo Yishathris. Sure. And I guess I'm in a group with you two. So now, what's your name, sir? Oh my Well, God. wait, hold on, hold on. Do you am I on that paper? Uh, well, what's your name? His name is Lee. Well, it's actually Liang. You were not. Oh. Well, who 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 who's in your group? Uh, some dude named Dixon. Uh, what's that say? Cider? <laughs> oh. Oh, is that is that the goth guy from uh House Mirvita? Wait. <laughs> yeah, he's sitting over there by the statue. This guy scares the hell out of me. <laughs> I'm going to just yell across the, the atrium and be like, Hey, Dixon Cider, <laughs> is that you? I'm not goth, I'm misunderstood. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't respond. All right, well, best of luck to you guys. Um, I'm going to go check the board. I'll, I'll see you around. I'll, I'll see you over at, um, at Dean Price's uh, lesson. I think, I think we got to be there in the next 10 minutes, just so you know. Okay, bye, Lee. <laughs> bye. Can he see, like, can the group see me from where I'm standing or in the corner? Yes, you're just, um, based on what Lee said, you're just sitting on the edge of the statue, kind of like how Manfred was sitting off by himself. Right. Yeah, well, as soon as he yells, I flip him the bird and just go back to fiddling with my thumbs, whatever <laughs> the fuck I was doing. Bruh. I flip him the bird again. This time with my other hand, just to show that I'm amphibious. <laughs> Ambidextrous? No, I breathe underwater. <laughs> Bruh. <laughs> I don't flip him the bird again, but I do, like, my face looks like I flipped him the bird jokes, and you find the third one. <laughs> I'm going to glance down quickly, glance <laughs> back up, and go, Bruh. <laughs> we, we should stick Milo on him. Milo's got a lot of energy. This kid does not seem like he does. <laughs> I'm just going to be like, wait, so is that even Dixon Cider or not? Dixon Cider! I'm just going to keep yelling the name. <laughs> just <laughs> repeatedly. Dixon Cider! Dixon Cider! Dixon <laughs> Cider! How about uh, Milo? Um, why don't you go, uh, that guy who's sitting over on the statue over there, I think he might be Dixon Cider, the... Uh, other member of our group, do you want to run over and go check real quick? Well, what I can say is that that is who that is. Uh, We're I, in the same house. I, I don't want to go see him, though. He scares me. <laughs> He's being a bit of a sour puss. <laughs> Why does he scare you? Because he's very tall and very scary dressing. Sir, um, Milo. What is your name, sir? First of all. Are you Dick's Insider? <laughs> yeah, that might be you. No, I, I know who that is. Um, 
if you're if you're afraid because he's very tall. Uh, <laughs> Life's gonna be real hard for you. <laughs> he's been in this game same school as me for three years now. He's also part of Minerva, but Minerva, Minerva, Mirvita, Mirvita. He's also part of Mirvita, though. I I just rather not talk to him. I'm, I'm I, I just want to throw out that uh that word and myself are both uh very big, tall, large creatures. Um. Well, you don't scare me as much. I thank you. I, I, I think that's a compliment. Um, <laughs> fine. My name is Manfred. Okay? Hi, Manfred. You can call me Manny. Manny. Okay, I'll try to remember that. If we're going to be in a group together, you got to start paying attention, though. You came up to me after this, after that speech and said you, you, you weren't you weren't listening. You, you really didn't catch much of that. And uh, I, I don't want to fail. So... You're going to have to pay attention. Oh, don't worry. I'm doing well in all my classes. What if he's got ADD? I, uh... Really disrespectful guy. Yeah, I'm a disrespectful kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> I know that. I'm just making a point. All right. All right, fine. If you're afraid to go talk to him, just I Just look guess, at him. I guess, uh, that word will do it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm scared, too. All right. I yelled, bruh, what more do you want me to do? <laughs> I yelled it multiple times. I, I know, but but listen, can you can you just go over there? All right. Do I have my hand axes? Yes. I'm sharpening both of them at the same time. Have you done yourself? <laughs> just you, you, keep, like, you long, keep testing like, it on like, your own <laughs> wrists <laughs> to see if it's sharp enough yet. That's why he scares me. I don't understand why he isn't dead. He's just like, he's cutting himself a little bit and then licking it. <laughs> While staring at you. Uh. It's because he never breaks eye contact. That's why I'm scared of him. You know, you kind of sound like Claptrap. <laughs> a little bit. I, noticed I stopped that, it with my ass. I noticed that a little bit into it, so I'm kind of trying to see if it sticks. The highness of his voice that's just going, that's the, what's getting me. And yeah, the, and the uh, punctuation. I mean, that's fine if you want to do a Claptrap this whole time. The CL4PTP, or you can call it. As long me as I don't sound so robotic. Trap. All right. What if we just let's all walk over there, I guess. <laughs> all right. All right. So you all walk over there. You kind of hover around uh, Dixon, and uh, he is sharpening both his hand axes. Hey. All right. So. Hey, Dick. Looks like uh, you're on this here paper with the rest of us. So you want to. Uh, Want to go get this over with? No. I, mean, I, don't, I don't want to be here doing this either. I just want to keep sharpening my hand axes while just staring at him and being silent. <laughs> I like this character. This one's going to be fun, guys. <laughs> I'm like tucked behind um, Manny's, like, like just behind him. Please don't touch me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just, I'm not touching him, but I'm still behind him. You said I'm, you said I'm on this paper. You're on this paper. That paper right there. Yep, take a look. I stab it with my hand axe and, like, bring it to me. I look at it. Nope, that's not me. Then who are you? It says your name on your name tag. Jokes on you, my name tag says Joe Mama. <laughs> oh, clearly this is uh, the esteemed Joseph Mama, so. <laughs> All right, sorry we bothered you, good sir. <laughs> Thank you. So I'm going to start yelling, Dixon Cider! <laughs> just while you're right next to him, you turn and you just... And I just walk past them to where we're supposed to go. As you start walking, Dean Doval 
hooks your arm and leads you back to the rest of your group and says, Dixon, what have we talked about with being courteous to your fellow students? What have we been talking about in our lessons? (laughs) (laughs) Um, you said not to stab them, which I didn't do. Right, and? Make eye contact, which I did. Okay, well, we're going to add another thing then. You need to talk to these men. I did talk to them. Okay, well, they are your study group, and they are going to help you pass the final exam. So you're going to need to work with them, right? No. Yes. No. Maybe they will understand you. (laughs) I have parents. They don't understand me. And I came out of them. Was I hatched out of an egg? Were dragonborns out of eggs or were they plopped out of their mother's hoo-hahs? Um, I think that's a different conversation. Specifically. (laughs) (laughs) I want to know if I'm full-on reptilian or I was semi-supposed to be loved as a child. The egg babies are cold as fuck. They fall out of trees and shit and die all the time. Their parents don't even care. Yeah, no, you actually had to survive your mom trying to eat you as soon as you hatched. Which would explain a lot. (laughs) Dean Doval says... All right, well, you four, hurry along. You need to go over to the Magizoo and meet with Dean Price, all right? He's going to impart a very important lesson for the rest of this semester, so hop to it. Let's get going. Which is where I was going. Okay, well, now you can go with your group. And she leaves. Hey, groupie. As he uh, comes back over to the group, which I'm assuming you're doing, just with that big sigh the whole time. Well, I was walking towards where we're supposed to go, so I'm waiting for you guys to catch up. He found up. one of those aluminum chairs. He's just dragging it behind <laughs> him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then, fine. If you're waiting where you're at, then I'm going to start walking up, as presumably with everybody here. And I would like to come up and say, guys, listen, I think we have... Uh, all got off on the wrong foot. Why don't we... I think we all got off on the right foot. And, uh, uh, you know, there's uh, maybe a memory. Uh, 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 <laughs> sure. yeah, a little wobbly on that foot. <laughs> Pretty sure I walked one foot after the other, left and right. All right, listen, guys. This is the group we were given, not the one we chose. So Obviously. We might as well find a way that we're going to be able to work together so that we have the uh, best bets of not dying and passing our final. Are you Uh, afraid of dying? No, I'm actually really looking forward to this final. (laughs) Actually, are you afraid of dying? I think about it about every hour. (laughs) I can tell. (laughs) It looks like... It looks like... It looks like... uh, Oh, the people in, like, jail cells put chalk on the wall for every day they're in there. You just give yourself one on the arm. <laughs> and the leg. Oh, okay. Well. No, it's on the arm. You're right out of space on your leg. I like to play tic-tac-toe on my arm. What about you, guy? Hello, listeners, new and old. I am your Dungeon Master, Paul Camper, and I am very happy to have you joining us for Season 2. For those of you who are new to the show, this little mid-roll is a chance for me to introduce any upcoming news about the show, share any sponsors, 
and give a shout out to those helping to make the show possible. Though on this first episode, I only have one thing to promote before getting you back to the main event. And that one thing is our Death Saving Bros Patreon. If you like our show and are enjoying listening, we highly encourage heading over to patreon.com slash deathsavingbros, where there's even more content available. We have the classic bloopers, um, extra episodes, and conversations, but we also have a bunch of new material that has been coming out in preparation for Season 2. That includes background articles on characters and cities and Ralvaria, as well as a series called Campaign Crafting, where I share advice on creating your own role-playing adventure. Access to our Patreon starts at just $2 a month, but if you become a supporter at the $25 tier for at least three months, you'll receive custom physical rewards. Previous rewards have included dice towers, character minis, canvas maps, and more. And the good news is, the next reward period ends in June, so that means if you join before April 30th, 2023, you're eligible. Again, if you're interested in more content, uh, in some custom physical rewards, or if you just want to show your appreciation for the show, check out patreon.com slash deathsavingbros. And of course, if you can't help support us financially, we completely understand We'd still love to see your review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser. Leaving a review would help share the word with others and boost our ratings. However, longtime listeners know that before getting you back to the episode, I always like to recognize those that do support us and have made this show possible. Those who pledge at the $5 tier get a shout-out at the end of the show, but the following individuals have pledged to support us financially at the $10 tier or higher so they get the supporter shout-out right now. Ryan Cushman and Gene L. Jackson, thank you for your support. Without further ado, we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Listen, guys, the bell rings above you and you realize that the atrium has basically cleared out of everybody looking for their study groups. Let's just uh, uh, go on and get this over with. I know you don't want to spend more time with us. Or do you? (laughs) (laughs) Do we distract you from the, the bleak void that is your existence? There's nothing bleak about death. It's inevitable. <laughs> all right, so you all uh, head out with the last groups uh, from the atrium. You head out the back entrance of the Arcthanium, and you follow the path through the gardens to the large glass building that you know is the Magizoo. Once you enter into the glass building, uh, you see a large half-orc with spectacles on his nose, and he is marching around, putting people into groups um, of 12. And he says, Oh, good, good. Uh, you're one of the last ones here. I'm going to pair you with, with this group here. All right. Now that everybody's settled, what we are going to do today is we are going to get you the first and most important 
element that you need to make your surge, to make your secured user repository for guaranteed enchantment. Now, does anybody here happen to know what the most important piece of a surge is? No, but I have a surge right here. I, I feel like my character <laughs> would know it, but is there like a correct answer here? There is a correct answer, and I will go ahead and tell you, even if you forgot. Um, you, young Kender, you're not supposed to have a surge this morning. How did you get that? I, it was just in my bag. I've always had this. All right, you can hand that over to me, please. I'd rather not. I've grown quite attached to this item. It, it, it's mine. It's not yours. Can you please hand it over? <sighs> Do I have to? Yes. Okay, I'll hand it over. All right, thank you. And I'll you. pull a second one out of my bag. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... <laughs> The most important <laughs> item to any surge is a piece of a magical creature. Oh, God, what creature did I take to do this? Well, it could be any creature that you want. Obviously, we don't want to kill the creature. That is a loss of magical blood that is going to rob them of their magical abilities. So we are just looking for feathers, scales. Um, if you happen to come across an air, air elemental or such, just catch a vial of them. But today... You are going to be going up for scales because, and he opens uh, the gate behind him and you behold what you couldn't see before. There was an illusion materializes in front of you uh, four houses. He says in each of these houses, there is a dragon wormling. You need to capture the wormling and grab a scale so that you can add it to your surge, which you will learn how to make in the coming days. Now, does anybody have any questions about that? How big is a wormling? It depends. It could be anywhere from one or two feet to about eight to ten. So you best be careful. And because you don't have any surges today, you're going to get your first taste of what happens when magic is not guaranteed. So all of you get ready, get set, go. So let's go ahead and roll initiative so that you can uh, race to get your Wormling scale. I rolled a 7. 13. 20. 20. All right, so, Dixon, you will go ahead and go first. The way that the area in front of you is set up is the gate has been opened, and there is a short swath of green. There's a little river creek running through the green expanse, and then... I don't know. It's a total of like 50 feet until you get to the little sheds. There are four sheds. You can't see the wormlings from here, but uh, as Dean Price pointed out, the wormlings are in those sheds somewhere. Are they just in a half circle? Yes. And Dean Price has also positioned you so that there are only groups of 12. So there's your study group of four, and then there are two other study groups with you. So if you want to do anything to your potential rivals next to you, you can do that, or you can just go straight for the Wormling. I'll go straight for the Wormling. Okay. Um, and are you just dashing straight through? Yes. Okay. What is your total speed? 30. Okay, so you managed to get there. No problem. Which of the sheds are you going for? Middle right. Okay, so if we're going left to right, you're going for number three? That's three. Pick three, my lord. Perfect. So you run up there. You 
dive under the little archway into the dark opening of the shed, and you see a nest, but the nest is empty. Uh, then we're going to go to Thad. I guess I would see Dixon take off, and I would just uh, yeah, follow in the same direction and bring up his rear. Okay, so you're going into the same shed? Yeah, do we have like our all of our like equipment and weapons and whatnot? Yes, yeah, so you've got all of your equipment, all of your everything. I would like to just pull out my shield as I'm going. Okay, perfect. So you duck into the same shed, and you realize that the shed is empty. Uh, at this point, I guess I didn't give Dixon a chance to call out to his teammates if he wanted to, but... Would he have? <laughs> no, not a shot. <laughs> All Fuck right, then I guess I'm going to be like... like I'm going to look around like, is it definitely like there's nothing in here? There is nothing in there. All right, I'm going to yell back to these two like, hey, it's empty. Okay. Well, once you yell out, hey, it's empty the two groups that were with you are going to suddenly go, oh, shit. So they are going to look at each other and they're going to dash for um, two of the other buildings. One group is going to go to the first shed and one group is going to go to uh, shed number four. As soon as the group that goes to shed number four gets there, the whole thing's going to explode as a brass wormling starts wriggling around and breaking through the shed and dealing with these four that are trying to attack it. And then that will bring us to Milo. At this point, I am just going to start communing with a object. It's like, no one else will see it right now, so I'm just kind of, it seems like I'm talking to myself. Just kind of be like, okay, so that one blew up. Uh, which one should we go to? Um, there's nothing in number three. But our, our, like, the other guys went to one and two, right? Or one and four. One and four. One and four? Yeah. How Shed number two has not been checked out yet. So, okay. Can, can you help me get to number two? And, well, if I summon my wildfire spirit, it's an action. And then he can teleport me on another action. Do you want, do you want to run forward as well? Is it, like, they're 30 feet away? Everyone's been making it? Um, everybody's been dashing because they're 50 feet away, but you could easily run forward 30 feet. You'd be in the creek at that point. No. Okay, so you're just going to stay put and um, summon your wildfire spirit? Yeah, but I was kind of trying to, like, do anything, like, to tell... I, I, I guess, yeah, I'm going to summon him and talk to him. But it's going to be, like, a tiny... It's going to take the shape of, like, a little mouse. Like, okay. some, something small and doesn't give off a lot of light. Okay, cool. Uh, so you've just got a little little mouse, uh, like, on your shoulder, uh, barely there. Yeah, it's just a faint glow in, like, my lap, and I'm just kind of, like, it looks like I'm just thinking or talking to myself and looking crazy. Okay. And then, Manny, you are still there with Milo, and you hear him talking to himself. I don't see the mouse, do I? You see a faint light that's kind of, like, glowing from, like, it looks like my lap. Thank goodness, because I would have a conniption if I saw a mouse. Uh, oh, yeah. Gotcha. Don't, don't ask where the light's coming from. I'll show you the mouse. Well, in my head, I just see you chattering to yourself, and I think it's you're just schizophrenic or something. Um, Not again. <laughs> so what I would like to do, um, how far apart were each of these sheds from each other? Were they like relatively close from like one to the next, or are they all... 20 feet apart. So you could get from one to the next in a single turn. Gotcha. Does the... If I take like a dash to get closer, does that count as my action? Like it's a dash action, or is it like 
What is, like, how does dashing actually yes, calculate? Yes, dash is an action. Well, the spell I have is a 15-foot radius, so... <laughs> so I can get 30 feet, and then 15-foot spell reach puts me five feet short. Of how long is your trunk? Get there. Not five feet. <laughs> My trunk does have a five-foot reach. So cast it from the tip of yes. your trunk. <laughs> yeah, that I, would I, actually I that. <laughs> work, because as an artificer, too, I'm so... Like it, your trunk is five I, feet long. That is a trout. <laughs> it's the Mary Schnoz. Fish slap. It's just a very long schnoz. All right. <laughs> and just just to be clear, Thadward and Dixon are 50 feet away? Yes, from your starting point. They'll, they'll be 20 feet from where you wind up. Gotcha. All right, what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to run my full distance in the direction... Well, in a, in a direction closest towards that, that wormling that we're seeing. You said it was a bronze wormling on the right-hand side. Yes. Um, so I'm going to run or as... brass. Sorry. Brass? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh. Um, Manny, wait! Toby says we should go to the second one. I, I definitely think he's schizophrenic. <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell is Toby? Um, <laughs> I ignore that entirely. John Mouse. And I'm going to run still in the direction of the brass wormling. run, does it actually sound like elephants fucking stomping? <laughs> oh, yeah. It is uh, loud and intimidating. Well, stealth is out of the question this entire campaign. Because we also have you and the fucking turtle over here. <laughs> well, Which I guess... I, I can run just, like, as fast as anyone else, too. Well, so could I. <laughs> I would guess that... I would assume you just kind of, like, Koopa Shell just shoot. <laughs> yeah, can we have him stomp on you? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I that, turtle jump. That, that's yeah. our that's our special move in the sport we play is <laughs> I jump in and I just go spinning off. <laughs> yeah, or, or like in, shocking, or like in Mario where you jump on the turtle and then you hit it again and it shoots out. That's essentially what happens is I jump on you and you just completely launch in that direction <laughs> until you missed that one time and crush his fucking head. But oh, you know, good thing I'm an athlete. No, he missed one time and it took him two weeks to get back to campus. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and then what I want to do is, as I get close enough, I want to try to use the spell Lightning Lure, which allows me to create a lash of lightning energy that strikes at one creature of your choice that you can see within 15 feet of you. The target must succeed on a strength saving throw or be pulled 10 feet in a straight line toward you and then take 1d8 lightning damage if it is within 5 feet of you. So I don't think it would be within 5 feet of me, but I'd at least be able to pull it towards me because essentially what I'm trying to do is I want to run up and kind of be in between my group and the Wormling so that I can pull pull the Wormling away from the other group uh-huh. so that my group has the chance to essentially succeed on attacking and getting one of the scales first. Okay. Yeah. Um, and just for the range of making sure that it could work because it does say that it is a 15-foot radius spell. Um I, I'm, I'm going to be clarifying that my trunk adds an additional five foot reach to put me in a logistical uh, standpoint where I will be casting it out of my snoot. I love it. All right, sweet. So since this is our first use of magic, let's go ahead and introduce the new magic mechanics to our listeners. So as uh, Dean Doval said at the beginning of the episode, the assumption happened when all the gods were assumed uh, went back into the Great Mother. They no longer exist on the Primaterial Plane, which 
resulted in magic going haywire. There's no god to kind of smooth out the weave, which is the fabric of magic. And that has resulted in magic reacting erratically. So the way that we are going to handle magic, unless you have a magical focus, which is called a surge, our players will be rolling a magical focus roll, which is their spellcasting statistic score, plus their character level, plus their proficiency, minus the level of the spell. When I say spellcasting statistic score, that is just your spellcasting score. So um, since, Ben, you are playing Manny, who is a artificer, uh, your spellcasting score is... Intelligence. Intelligence. So it'll be your intelligence score. That's the big number, not the small number. Plus your character level, plus your proficiency. 22. Minus the level of the spell that you're casting. Cantrip, so zero. All right, so 22 is the DC that you're going to have to meet. And you're going to have to roll to meet or get lower on a D100. Now, if you roll at or below, that is a success. If you roll above, that is some level of failure. And the degree or level of failure is, de is determined by every 10 that you miss the DC. So if you roll a 12 or lower, then you have one degree of success. If you roll a 32 or, or if you roll between a 22 and a 32, then that is one degree of failure. So go ahead and roll a D100 for me, and uh, we'll see how you do. 85. <laughs> It's uh, 47. Okay, 47. So that means... I'm off by 25. Good math. An inspiration. You're I an told inspiration. you, I'm, I'm playing a smart character this time around. I can do math, unlike Beerich <laughs> in real life when it comes to D&D. <laughs> okay, since this is our first time using this mechanic, we'll go ahead and talk about what happens if you miss by 25. Um, and then I will give you an additional mechanic. Even if you fail your magical focus, you can still partially succeed. Any DC that's failed by 20 or less will work half as effectively. Any roll from 21 to 49 is just a failure. So in this case, the roll would fail. However, you do also have the opportunity to take a bonus action to half focus, or you could take a full action to concentrate and then cast the spell. If you take a bonus action, then you get a plus 10 to the focus DC. And if you take a full action to focus, you get plus 20 to the DC. So I guess you wouldn't re-roll, but in this case, instead of it being a 25, you would only miss by 15, which means that the spell would still succeed. Okay. And just for mechanical purposes moving forward, do you have to determine the amount of focus prior to... Like, casting the spell, like, you would have to focus first and then do it? Yes. So, like, as a bonus action, like, technically I should have used a bonus action prior, but I would have done that anyways because I did not have any other bonus action planned on this turn. Right. The reason why I let you do it this way was so that, um, as a listener, it, it gets broken up a little bit um, because this is a whole new mechanic that isn't used in D&D at all. So I just wanted to go ahead and kind of break it up into little bits and pieces. But yes, um, go ahead, and if you want to half focus, you can add 10 to your DC, which would make this a successful spellcast. That would be the smart thing to do, so okay, I'm going to do <laughs> that. 
All right. Now, when the focus is a failure, but the degree of failure is by 20 or less, spells with damage are rolled as normal, but targets will take half damage as if they had resistance. And if the spell requires a saving throw, then the target will have advantage on the saving throw. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and roll that for the Brass Wormling. Well, good start. We rolled a natural three and a natural six. So what is the DC that I have to meet? Yeah, for a strength saving throw, would have been 11. <laughs> you were, you luck out. So even with advantage, the uh, Brass Wormling only rolls a uh, a total of an eight on well, the strength saving throw. I know you're in person with us for once, and I could probably look over and see your dice roll to see if you're just lying to let us do this because it's episode one. But regardless, I appreciate you, Paul. I appreciate your either poor rolls or your lie for me. <laughs> it's my pleasure. So cool. So the pool works to pull him in a, in a straight line 10 feet toward me. And because it was 15 feet away from the edge of my trunk, that puts him within five feet of me. So it would take the 1d8 lightning damage. And it also pulls it kind of out of the initial group that it was in. Uh, so now the Wormling is kind of in the no man's land between myself. Well, it's within five feet of me now, uh, but then between the other two groups. So I'll go ahead and roll the d8 for damage. That's going to be a four, and you said so it takes half damage, so it takes two. Yep. But the way it looks, it, it looks really awesome when this happens, right? So <laughs> Sure. What does it look like? I run out, and because I need to be closer to cast the spell, I'm going to make my trunk erect. <laughs> and, and then when it's facing straight out of me, you see a rod of lightning shoot out of it. Is it white? <laughs> that would be wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a, a white-blue crackling lightning and wraps around the little wormy, and then it's going to pull it back in towards me. I'm realizing how bad this all sounds, but <laughs> you know what? That's the way it looks, and I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, the the wormling gets dragged from all the other people uh, out of the broken shed and towards you, and uh, that is going to bring us to the copper wormling, who is going to burst out of shed number two and is going to attack uh, the Loxodon, Manny, because uh, you have just grabbed its brethren and started tangling it up. So let's go ahead and roll that attack. It is going to try and bite you, rolling a 15 to hit. Ooh, now here's a great question. Would you allow me to have my shield out from when the encounter started? You did not specify that you did, unlike Thadward. Oh, did Thadward do it? Well, Thadward look at did. You. Well, look at you ruining this for me. This is we're supposed to play <laughs> I mean, I didn't. with very loose specifications in what we're doing so that we can add them in when we want to, <laughs> and Paul is none the wiser. But when one person starts paying attention and doing things correctly, we all have to. So <laughs> thanks a lot for that, because you just got me hit. <laughs> Whoops. All right, so that's a hit for seven damage. How close am I to... You are 20 feet away. Okay, yeah, then you're taking that damage. And then the Brass Wormling is going to try and break free and also attack Manny, who has just dragged him over, uh, since you are standing off by yourself. That makes clear sense. So the Brass Dragon is going to try and fire breath you. Uh, you need to make a dexterity saving throw, please. Well, good. The giant-ass elephant is not very dexterous, <laughs> let me tell you, despite being on the uh, sports team. 17. 
All right, you managed to dodge out of the way, and that means that you are only going to take half damage. Fantastic. So that's another seven. Fantastic. Fantastic. And that will bring us back to the top of the order with Dixon. Dixon, you are in the shed with Thad, and uh, clearly the wormling is not in there that you're looking for, but you glance outside 20 feet away, and your study group member, Manny, is getting assaulted by two wormlings. Yeah. Guys, I did this for our group. I got the wormlings to us. <laughs> we have the best chance of winning. <laughs> I just baited myself. Wait, do we need just like one scale or do we each need a scale? Just one scale. Oh. oh. I'll just walk outside and yell at the wormlings. I'm assuming that they'll understand me even though they're young and stupid. Um, in Draconic, hey, stop. We just need one scale and we'll all leave. Well, I need one scale. We'll all leave. All right, I like this. Give me a persuasion roll. <laughs> you see the worm take out a hand axe and start cutting itself <laughs> too to get the Maybe scale for us. It. Maybe it's all dragons. In this, <laughs> this is the world we're creating. It's all dragons. They have just... the depression. <laughs> la, 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 la. They've been real sad ever since the gods went away. So now they all cut themselves. <laughs> what is this persuasion? Yes, sir. Eleven. I mean, an 11 would persuade me with most things. <laughs> does it help that I am a goddamn dragonborn? Yes, it does. Um, they don't... They, they do stop attacking Manny, uh, but they they don't come to you all happy and uh, playful. fine. But they do stop attacking. Uh, that So that persuasion check would be your action. Is there anything else that you would like to do? Hmm. AKA a movement or a bonus action. Yeah, let me just imbue my hand axes so I can just go murder these fucking things. No, I'm kidding. Uh, at that moment, uh, Dean Price says, Excellent work there, uh, Dixon. Remember, you do not want to kill these things. You only want to incapacitate them so that you can grab a scale. This was a Dean that said that? Yes. Oh, so I can't tell him to fuck off. That's unfortunate. <laughs> you don't want to kill these things. You only want to kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'll just yell in common for everyone to stop and stand still. Just like, hey, stop. One of the other groups says, why would we listen to you? We're going to get that scale first. I just stare at him. Just stare at him. And I walk towards <laughs> the dragon. Are you going to try to be like the Prothean this time around where you just creepily smile at everybody, but you have <laughs> this not, like stare? Is it the not, same kind of... It's not creepy. I'm just misunderstood. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they don't... They don't seem like they're going to stop. But, Thad, the Wormlings have stopped attacking for the moment. It's your turn. Hmm. I could reach, like, either of the Wormlings, right? Yes, like you are turn, currently right? 20 feet away. Uh, how big are they? Uh, we'll say that these are about average, so, like, six feet long. Could I, like, jump on one of their backs, like, pretty easily? Sure. You want to try a grapple check? Yeah, I want to jump on their back and... Let's see. The alternative would be to play defense on the other groups running in that you just body check anybody else trying to get to. And not piss the dragon off that I just we have two. We have two. Yeah, I guess there's, there's two ways to go about this. We have two of the wormlings, and everybody is now going to be trying to get to the ones that were around because we have two of them here. So you could just body people coming in. Mm. Because aren't you, don't you play defense on the sports team? This is true. I'd hope you wouldn't play offense. All right, <laughs> I'm going to turtle. I'm going to whip out my Whoa. sports bat, among other things, and I'm going to position myself between the other groups and 
present no <laughs> <laughs> present a front against them all right um and you... i guess ready an action for if anyone comes i just want to like club them either either club them or just like hockey check them shell shock them shell shock them okay do you no, want to be between to the the, the group that went into Shed 4 or the group that went to Shed 1? Shed 1 has not emerged yet. Uh, I guess Shed 4, since they're the ones that are making moves. And being all nasally and uh, disrespectful. Being a, being a bunch of nerds. <laughs> okay. Well, then that sounds good to me. Next up would be the group, and they're going to see you uh, with your bat at the ready, and they're going to try and get past you. Uh, two of them are going to dart forward, and I want you to go ahead and roll to see if you get catch them. Catch the fuck out of this bat. Natural 20. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so are you trying to actually hurt them or just like... Um... I would also... I want to be standing like within five feet of mostly the dragon, but also Manny if possible. Yep, that you can do that. Okay. So um, you... <laughs> <laughs> Those students catch catch that bat. Catch the fuck out of that bat. Are you trying to hurt them or just bat them back? Just sit their nerd asses down on the ground. Okay, then yes. <laughs> I will go ahead and grant that you knock them prone uh, in lieu of damage. Uh, and I just want to yell, the wall! <laughs> <laughs> the, other, the others in the group do not advance this turn. <laughs> Milo, it is your turn. Manny is 30 feet from me. Yes. Okay. And so are both the Wormlings. Excellent. I want to run up to them and cast Animal Friendship. Animal Friendship says, well, first off, are these Wormlings, do they have an intelligence of four or higher? They do. Well, that's not going to work then. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. <laughs> not at all. Boy. Can they have brain damage? <laughs> yeah, it says if its intelligence is four or higher, it fails. So there's no point in me casting that. Okay, I guess I probably shouldn't have told you that, but we'll go ahead and let you choose something else. Um, you could try doing something similar to what uh, Beerich's character Dixon did, which was try to persuade them. I don't know if you happen to know Draconic. I do. You could try and uh, you could try and persuade them to give you a scale. Um, sure. I'm going to first off. I'll be talking to my little mouse companion. And I'll be saying, hey, as soon as I'm done with this, what I need you to do is get me and my friend out of here. Okay. Okay. And then I'm going to run right up to there and I'll be like, hey, guys, uh, we don't want to try to fight you. We just need you to give us one of your scales and then we'll leave you alone. Okay. Fuck no, baby. <laughs> 13. Yeah. The brass and copper wormlings look at each other. They're kind of slithering around and the brass wormling plucks one of the scales off the copper wormling and then uh, drops it into your hand, Milo. Okay. Oh, guys, thank you so much. And just like I said, we'll we'll leave you alone now. And then for the bonus action, uh, oh, probably should have warned you on this. It has to be a willing creature, but I'll be like, Okay, Manny, will you come with me now? And I'll reach out my hand. You have to take my hand. We have what we need. We have to get out of here. I promise um, them. Is uh, Dixon nearby too? Yes, he is. He did say that he started walking towards the Wormlings. Okay. Is he there? 
He's within he, five feet. Oh, I mean, I'm both. I'm talking to both of you guys. Guys, come on, we gotta get out of here. Milo, Grab I my could, hand. Uh, I could, I could guard the uh, retreat with, uh, with the wall over here. No, the worm's <laughs> not gonna be happy with that. I promised him. You gotta give me your hand now. Well, I'm protecting the worms. Everybody else is still gonna try to come and they get him. They told me, Dixon, you gotta tell him. You heard the worm. Whether the what, what? Give me your hand. I'm conflicted. I, I just, I'm so confused. I want to help the wall protect the worms from the other groups. Uh, I did. Uh, Can you just explain what you're doing? <laughs> we have the scale. I told the worms if they gave us a scale, we would leave them alone. And they gave us a scale. We have to leave them alone. They, they, they don't need protection. Who needs protection these days? I mean, <laughs> Happy what? Father's Day. I, <laughs> I just, I stick my trunk in your hand. <laughs> Dixon? I Come on. Don't. I grab his arm. And then. Okay, well, and then what we happens? We can't leave the wall! The wall! As soon as I have both of your hands, you will see a tiny mouse like creature run up <laughs> onto my shoulder. And then you he see can. just like. He his his bright little flame gets bigger and bigger until it encompasses all of us, and then poof, we vanish, and we're just. I think it just goes fifteen feet towards back towards the gate. Okay, cool. So yeah, you manage to get back towards the gate where uh, nobody is, nobody gets hurt, um, but you all were teleported suddenly, and then the wormlings slither off in between sheds two and three. The group that was being beaten back by Thad. Gets looks all sad and dejected, and then the Nerds. group that had been in shed one suddenly comes running out with a feather in hand as a cockatrice is chasing them, and uh, suddenly the cockatrice is messing with both the other groups that are there. But Dean Price walks up to you and says, "Well done, well done. I never, I've never seen anybody persuade the wormlings to hand over a scale." This is a first, and you, you've done very well for yourselves. You know what? You can take a, a rest for the rest of the day. Why don't you head on up uh, here? Here's a couple healing potions in case you need them. And uh, head on up to your dormitory. Uh, I see on my sheet here, let's see, this is uh, the group with Thad, Manny, Milo, and Dixon. Yeah, you guys are in the uh, astronomy tower. You're in, You're in the tower room, so... Head on up there, and uh, we'll see you for class tomorrow. Yeah, thank goodness we don't speak bird. That would have been bad. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me, I get a little uh, overzealous. <laughs> <laughs> you see me, you see my eyes, like, deglaze, and I come back down to Earth. <laughs> um, how many healing potions did he give us? He gave you two. Each? No, just two, total. All right, I'm going to hold one of those. Just let it be known. Somebody else can have the other one. I'll take one and I'll just kind of put it. Looks like I'm putting it in my robe pocket, and then, but it looks, you know, it just looks like it's gone. As things in pockets do. <laughs> Soon you'll come to realize. Wow, it stopped existing. <laughs> Soon you'll come to realize my pockets are different. What? It, what is it like? Uh, the children in like their the early permanence. Yeah, object <laughs> permanence. He just like, oh my god, it's gone. He's a wizard. <laughs> you really do belong. <laughs> he pulls it back. Oh, little will you know, Kedders have magical pockets. Ew. Yep. Hence why he had a surge when he wasn't supposed two surges when he wasn't supposed to. <laughs> um, but yeah, so had you a guys surge in his magical pocket. Yeah. 
Uh, so when you guys uh, leave this field, you've you've successfully completed the assignment. Uh, you leave the students behind you that are just screaming and like there's just mass chaos behind you and you're walking away all smug. Uh, and you head up to your dormitory. You climb the many, many flights of stairs up to the astronomy floor where uh, there is a section of dormitories. And uh, you take a look at the sheet of paper that Dean Price had given you. And you find your room. You are room 6B in that dormitory block. Uh, you get yourself all settled. There are two sets of bunk beds. So four beds total. There are four desks, two on the wall with the door, and then two on the walls uh, to the left and right. And then the bunk beds are on the far wall with a window in between those two bunk beds. It's a sizable room. Uh, it's sizable even for the Loxodon in your group so that you can all move around without bumping into each other. There is a period of time, and then slowly the other groups start to straggle in and uh, join you in this dormitory block. Is there anything that you're doing while you're waiting for others to join you? So when you say dormitory block, are we currently in our dorm rooms, or are you saying, like... Like a common room, kind of like... Like the common area, and there's other, like... From the common area has all the dorm rooms coming off of it? We'll go with that one. Uh, We'll say that there is a common room, and then uh, the common room goes off to ten different uh, dorms that each have bunk beds like this. If you want to sit in the common room, which has uh, various couches and armchairs, there is a fireplace, and uh, there's also a foosball table. Hell yes, we're playing foosball. Wait, foosball in this world? In the world of Ralvaria? <laughs> well, actually... <laughs> it's straight up called foosball. Is well, it so some sort of like pyro ball yes, t- tabletop exactly. So it deal? looks like a foosball table in our world, but you guys call it a uh, Pyrax table. Cool. So, one thing that I'm curious is you said there's bunk beds in these rooms. Well, I know that... uh, Yeah, who's taking the top bunks? I know Thadward and uh, Manny are two rather large (laughs) people, but... It's going to get real uh, sketchy. (laughs) I imagine we're on the sports team together, so we would split a bunk. um, And we would let the uh, super social and the super antisocial guy share a bunk, too. No, he scares me. (laughs) (laughs) Which is... Funny as hell to, to us. <laughs> Are our bunks like super reinforced? Well, what, what's your size? Like, what's your size? Well, I'm. I gotta look up what the. It's like at least four fifty, but I'm thinking if I'm the wall, I should be like bigger than that. <laughs> the wall. <laughs> I was gonna say because uh, my character is between seven and eight feet tall, and between three and four hundred pounds is what it says online. So I'm thinking I'm an eight foot, <laughs> eight foot four hundred pound. Oh, you went for max. Well, yeah, I'm on the sports team. Going for size. <laughs> I'm an athletic right. person. This an is Turtles. Turtles stand five to six feet and average four fifty. Okay, <laughs> so you're shorter and heavier, but I'm much taller <laughs> and slightly lighter than you. So, I guess you could take the bottom bunk. The <laughs> beds are magically reinforced. Oh, I I thought it would have been so funny if they weren't. Well, I mean. They're magically reinforced. They're not impervious. <laughs> but you Damn. don't know that. All right. So, so uh, how about how about we play rock, paper, scissors for top bunk? <laughs> all right. All right. I have shears. You have parchment. Oh shears God. beats parchment. Damn it. 
<laughs> Wait, so does that mean I get the top bunk or the... <laughs> it means I guess you get to choose. Well, I want the top bunk for when it inevitably crashes yeah, and kills whoever's say, on the bottom. Yeah, I top bunk is probably, <laughs> probably smarter, but I don't think it'll kill me, so... I just, I just thought, I just thought that that was one of the first things that that we would figure out, um, and then also, that word. You want to go play some uh, Pyrex ball? You call it a Pyrex table, but the sport is called Pyrocross. Hell yeah, dude! And uh, Dixon, Milo, anything that you guys are doing while you're getting set in your new dorm? Uh, by the way, all of your stuff has magically been brought here from your previous storm room. Well, that right. is really cool. Which corner are we going to set the keg up in? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> it's a shell of a good time. So your guy is really small, right? Yes. And would have a hell of a time getting to the top bunk. Yes. I immediately take the bottom bunk. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I would clamber my way up the little ladder or whatever and center myself as most centered as I can in the bed to protect all angles because I don't want to see any weird like whatever the fuck you are hands or I'm, I'm terrified of you so I'm like this I'm is the dragon. safest place to be I'm under <laughs> I'm my blankets. I'm a dragon boy not venom <laughs> Jesus Christ. At, at night you put a little light I don't on the ground hear no your, shadow, clackies. your shadow you, you stick your like arm over the light so on the ceiling that, that he's looking right above him you just see a knife <laughs> in your wrist <laughs> and you just <laughs> yeah, you just see me like burning my scales one by one in the middle of the night I'm just crying trying to sleep <laughs> You doodle a picture of him with scribbles of of uh, Milo's character, and you just hang it, or you throw it up top. <laughs> just burn it. <laughs> so you guys are all getting settled, and uh, the other groups start to straggle in, and they start going to their places and uh, finding their dorms or their dorm rooms. And then somebody walks in, and you notice that it's a um, human female who seems to have coed like, dorms nice <laughs> like asian heritage to her and she says oh are you are you in 6b i was already i was already nervous to be living here in the astronomy tower dorms but are are you in 6b yes ma'am okay well i gosh i hope nothing happens to you guys this year what the fuck ma'am <laughs> why would you say that um Oh, by the way, my name's Nora. I'm 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 over in 4B. But yeah, 6B was the room where three of the four in the study group died during the final exam. What happened to the fourth one who lived? He kind of went crazy. Ha. <laughs> yeah, they found him. They found him in the dorm and he was like writing stuff on the walls and you know, leaving like he had all sorts of weird runes and messages on the wall. I don't know, maybe I I she pokes her head and goes, I guess they painted over it. So his name was Milo. He was always talking to himself. <laughs> Sounds like maybe he killed them. From what I hear, something went really wrong during the final exam, and like that's what made him lose his mind. Do you... Okay, hold on. Want to pick your brain here. Um... Do you know where, I mean, it seems like you, you know, heard a lot about this situation. Do you know, like, more about it, where he is now? Like, you said they painted over it, like, that sort of thing? Or, like, do you know if they, is any way to obtain this kind of information? Do you want to come take a look at our room? Um, I am Thadward Castellan. You may know me as The Wall. 
Well, nice to meet you, Thad. I, <laughs> my my sister, she she was in the year above us. Um, that that's how I heard about this. But I, I've I've probably heard your name too. You're on the Pyrocross team. Yes, ma'am. I don't really pay attention to Pyrocross, but Oof. yeah, no, I don't know much more. I, I think I think he's been a long term uh, resident of the of the infirmary. Did your sister know him well? No, not really. Can I get her snap? Um, just kidding. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you just see me run away back into the room and slam the door out of how awkward I feel. <laughs> yeah, especially if that came out of your mouth. <laughs> I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I did that. Yeah, like I got a, I got a moment of like confidence when she said she didn't pay attention to the sports team, even though I'm on the sports <laughs> team, because I was like, okay, because I don't like, I don't know. I just got a weird moment of confidence. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, so you you run away, you slam the door, and uh, you see Milo sitting in the middle of his top bunk, and you see Dixon uh, laying in his bottom bunk, and you're you're just st- pressed up against the door. <laughs> the whole door falls down because I'm, I slammed it. I lean back against her real hard. I just fall back through. Help me! I just. <laughs> If you make eye like if I if I'm just I throw the door shut, I'm sitting against it breathing heavy, I look up at the corner, I see you just quivering. Help me. I just I'm just gonna look away. Yeah, this guy hates me. Well, I just think you're irrationally afraid of this man at this time. <laughs> because yeah, he's a weird dude, but like I don't know, I'm not afraid of him at all. I just think it's weird <laughs> that you're afraid of him. It's a real, uh, gonna be a real crapshoot to see which one of us is the one that survives and goes crazy. <laughs> is that what you say to Nora? Yes. If you guys need any help, I'll, I'll be happy to help you guys study. Maybe, maybe we can keep it from happening this time. Oh, maybe you could, uh, come, you know, protect us in our room. Yeah, okay, I'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> and she walks away. My heart, it. it breaks. You really, want to bring, you really want to bring her back into a room that has, well, me who just made a super awkward comment, and then you know who our other two roommates are right now. <laughs> and you think it's a good idea to bring a lady back here? Bad word Castellan, the wall, pulling, pulling sleuths as hard as I can. <laughs> the fact that we're going to get to listen to this entire campaign of Matt's character trying to pull sleuths <laughs> in a role-playing scenario. Well, the fact that he's calling them sleuths makes it way better. <laughs> I <laughs> oh, see. I just laying in bed, raking a hand axe over the scales, like a normal person. <laughs> Give yourself a nice back scratch right up and down the spine with, with the blade side of an axe. Yeah, see that the guy bums in. Help me. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> okay. Well, as you're laying there scratching your scales, you are looking up at the bunk above you, and you notice scratched into the wood there are some words written there. Do I know what they say? Yes, they're written in common. No. And do you keep these to yourself or do you point them out to everybody else? I keep it to myself. Okay. Well, you notice that it says as if someone had taken, like, not not a nail or, like, a knife or anything. It looks like, like somebody had used their fingernails because there's a little bit of blood in the cracks. And it says, we are the surge. And there are underlines under the we. And that's where we're going to end episode one of campaign two for the Death Saving Bros podcast. Honestly, I just 
read those, smile, and roll over and go to bed. That's what you touch yourself to at night. <laughs> the little <laughs> bit of blood, blood in there. <laughs> Get all tingly. Yeah, so we hope you listeners have enjoyed meeting our new characters, uh, getting a little taste of what the Arc Shine is going to be like. Uh, if you would like to hear more, we have more content available on patreon.com slash deathsavingbros, uh, where you can get bloopers, conversational recaps, and uh, lore episodes, which are extra episodes about NPCs in the world, NPCs and player characters. Uh, if you would like to keep in touch with us, we are available on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, and Instagram at Death Saving Bros. I am personally available at HP Camper. You can find me at Benfro15. I am at Ima underscore B underscore Rad. I'm on the Reddit at Death Saving Bros. You can find me on the PlayStation Network as FATT Smith. And for all those of you who are listening in their cars, in their homes, or wherever you may be, keep saving those death throws, and we'll see you on the next one. This episode was made possible by our patrons. The following individuals have pledged at the $5 tier. Tad Corsi. Thank you for your support. Some of the sounds and background music in this production are copyright material. The song Circle of Wildfire is by Tabletop Music Bazaar. This track is used with permission, all rights reserved. The song Sancho Panza Gets a Latte is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons Attribution License 4.0 and sourced from filmmusic.io. The tracks Black Knight and Midnight Magic are music by Orchestralis.